Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Stanley, Fund Manager of the BMO Responsible UK Income Fund. Catherine is a Managing Director and Head of the Global Small Cap Equity Team. Since June 2009, Catherine has been Lead Manager of the BMO Responsible UK Equity Fund and the BMO Responsible UK Income Fund. And in June 2013, the Global Small Cap Equity Fund was launched with Catherine as lead. She joined the group in 2000, prior to which Catherine spent nine years at Franlington, where she managed both retail and institutional UK small company funds. She has an MA in Geography from the University of Oxford and is a member of the CFA Society of the UK. So firstly, a very warm welcome to you, Catherine, and thank you for sparing us some of your time. Thank you for having me, Richard. So the BMO Responsible UK Income Fund, perhaps we could kick off if you could kind of describe the objectives and perhaps the investment style. Absolutely. So this fund is a a responsible fund, as the name suggests, which means that it operates within our responsible investment philosophy. So the most important thing is that we invest in companies that we believe are doing good things for society. We aim to avoid companies where we think they have damaging products or conduct. And we want to improve those companies by being responsible shareholders through our voting practices and through engagement. So that's the overarching philosophy for these funds. In terms of the investment style, it's very much bottom-up stock-picking approach. We have a unique uh, responsible universe of about 250 names to choose from. And from those, we want to pick the best portfolio that we can, focusing on quality, on risk, on longevity of the business model, and on ESG factors. This is all delivered by a strong team approach. We have six people, all of whom are directly involved in decision-making within the portfolio. It is an income fund, um, and so the objective is to achieve uh, yield in excess of the all-share on a rolling three-year basis and outperform the all-share on a rolling basis as well. But it is very much a growth in income style rather than an out-and-out high-income type of uh, portfolio. So with that in mind, how does the sector allocation of the fund break down? Yes, it does look a bit different to a traditional fund and certainly to a more traditional income fund. The nature of our responsible universe of those 250 names means that there are some areas which are excluded from this portfolio. So the universe that I choose from is underweight tobacco, for example. It's underweight beverages because of alcohol, underweight miners, underweight energy in particular. And these are all quite big sectors to be underweight. And this is very much reflected in the sector profile of the portfolio. Because we're underweight those big sectors, it does mean we're overweight most of the rest of the market because obviously we have to own something. And we want to be as diversified as possible uh, within what we can choose from. I used to say that financials was the uh, biggest overweight sector in the portfolio, but the FTSE has just made recent changes to the sectors and splitting out real estate into a separate group of its own. That now means that um, the industrial space is now our biggest overweight. Uh, that is particularly for us the construction area and also um, electronics and some general engineering as well. After that is technology is our second biggest overweight sector. And then that real estate space. We are also overweight the remaining financial sector, though that's obviously smaller than it used to be. We do have an active underweight to the consumer discretionary space within the portfolio at the moment. We have sold some stocks within that space through this COVID crisis, particularly on concerns over the lack of likely dividend payout in 2021. So while we aren't too bothered about dividends for 2020, clearly lots of companies have uh, cut or suspended their dividends 
Uh, we do intend to resume our policy in 2021 of requiring everything in the portfolio to be paying a dividend at some point through that year. So we have removed some of those holdings where we don't believe that that is likely to be the case. It's interesting that you mention uh, the banks and technology. Obviously, the banks have gently had their arms twisted up their backs not to be not to be paying dividends, certainly for the rest of this year, with a couple of them suggesting that maybe they may, may return to dividends when they announce their four-year numbers sort of February-March time. But it's interesting that also you mentioned technology. Now, the, the FTSE 100 certainly is often slated for having such a low exposure to it technology, particularly in a year when the NASDAQ index in the States, for example, has been performing so strongly. Well, where are you looking in terms of the UK for that sort of technology angle? Yes, absolutely. The, the FTSE 100 is certainly very short of those sort of interesting technology mm. names and has been for, for quite a long time. This portfolio is biased towards smaller mid-cap. So we have roughly speaking a kind of 50% weighting towards smaller mid-cap relative to about 15% in the oil share. And technology within the smaller mid-cap space is a much more uh, important sector, much larger within that part of the market. And there we can find a number of companies uh, which tick those growth and income boxes. Uh, the technology sector largely does good things. It's innovative. It meets a lot of UN SDG type goals. And also these are tend to be companies which are very cash generative, uh, have strong balance sheets, uh, are good quality. So they meet our, our criteria in both the quality and risk portfolio and also on the, the responsible investment side. So we have a number of names in there, such as FDM and uh, Computer Centre. We do also own a company called Avast, which is a FTSE company now, FTSE 100 company now, but did list as a smaller company and has done very well and done well through this COVID period as well. Um, it's a security business for your personal laptops at home. And uh, obviously, with more people working at home, there's been more interest in that. Absolutely. So in, in terms of your top holdings overall within the fund, perhaps you could uh, mm. name one or two of your biggest holdings at the moment? Yeah, sure. So I think there's two ways of looking at this. So our largest absolute holding in the portfolio is AstraZeneca, also the largest company in the market now, having taken over from uh, Shell, which obviously has had a pretty terrible year. We are overweight AstraZeneca, um, but it's not our largest relative holding. But it is our largest position. And obviously, Astra has been in the news a lot with its potential COVID vaccine that we're all desperately hoping is going to work. But really, the investment thesis behind owning Astra is its oncology franchise that it has been developing over the last few years under Pascal's management. And so it has novel drugs like Limpaza for getting cancer and Tugrito for, for lung cancer. And they have taken its oncology franchise from around $3 billion uh, to around 11 billion today with plenty more to come. So it's very much a sort of growth and income story within Astra. On a relative basis, our largest overweight would be Intermediate Capital, uh, which is an alternative asset manager in the, in the FTSE. Those alternative assets have obviously been in favour, so it's that structurally growing AUM. Uh, it also has very long life funds, sort of maybe six, seven years plus, um, and that allows it to, to ride out a number of this, this sort of volatility within the market. So the quality of earnings there has been uh, improving steadily over the last few years. And then the next largest holding after that on a relative basis would be Computer Centre, which is something that we've held across multiple portfolios for, for, for many years. And this is a mid-cap business and it's an IT uh, product and services company with a very long track record under a management team that have been running it for a long time as well. A long track record of delivery and very strong cash generation characteristics. So there's a real mix there, pharmaceutical, a financial um, and a technology business, all important names within the portfolio. Which is interesting because after the fact that obviously the, the fund is called responsible, which immediately, as you mentioned at the top, 
puts your universe down to, to a rather smaller one than would normally be the case. With that in mind, how, how's the fund been coping in what has been a, a fairly tumultuous 2020? <laughs> yes, it's been never a dull moment really this year, has it? Uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly been challenging. Um, I'm very pleased with how the fund has held up, to be honest. We're outperforming the benchmark and we are first quarter over one, three and five years to the end of September. So the fund has been doing OK. Uh, but that's not to say that everything has gone perfectly either. We have been helped through our responsible characteristics in that oils have obviously been very weak. We don't have any of those in the portfolio. So that has been helpful to performance. On the more negative side, I mentioned before, we are overweight most of the other sectors where there are acceptable names. And we were overweight the travel and leisure sector, which obviously has been significantly impacted by, by COVID. Uh, we obviously don't have pubs and restaurants because of alcohol, but we did have hotel uh, we had Compass, the contract caterer, and we've had bus companies, which have been extremely badly hit as nobody's been going on a going on a bus. So that's been the sort of main negative for us, and uh, the main positive and the main negative. We have also done very well out of that technology space. That has held up well. We are overweight there. We have those names where we can. So that's been good. Computer Centre that I mentioned earlier has seen significant upgrades through this year, and is one of the companies actually going to do better this year than it was expected to at the start. And the vast as well is another one that's, that's, that's done well. And also the overweight in Astra has helped and also utility space. So the, the, the uh, resilient performance has come from a number of areas, but I would also argue that our responsible approach has been beneficial this year. Sure. And, and so obviously the, the obvious question, and we always like to just uh, to try and get a view in terms of what your outlook might be from here. I mean, obviously, the, the year is basically now um, mm -hmm. coming to an end 2020. Uh, we then get into 2021 when one would hope there'll, there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of a vaccine and, and so on for COVID. But in the meantime, we, we can expect um, extremely volatile markets. What, what's your take mm -hmm. on that some of the, the, the things that we've got overhanging us at the moment? Yeah, it, 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 uh, it's, it's very much an overused word, but clearly uncertainty reigns at the moment, whether that's through COVID outlook. I would be delighted if it's all over by the end of this year, but I suspect that's not quite the case. Um, and obviously also Brexit. Those two things have clearly weighed on the market. And the UK has significantly underperformed other world's markets, particularly the US, but you know, the gap is, it has been huge. Brexit, we are going to get some resolution to one way or the other. I'm certainly not going to call that one. But nevertheless, just the removal of that uncertainty should be helpful. I think we also have to remember that uh, the sector mix in the UK is very different to other parts of the world. So while we're looking at the UK performing very badly, that has really been led by oils and banks. And what underneath that, there has been a lot of good performing stocks uh, within there, particularly with that within that healthcare and technology space. So you're not quite comparing like with like, and it's not quite as bad as the broad headline numbers might might suggest. The consensus is that we will get some vaccine at some point through, through next year. I've spoken to a lot of healthcare uh, analysts and that would seem to be the case. Which one it is, how quickly and how fast that can be rolled out to people are obviously different questions. But the markets will respond po positively to, to any sign of a vaccine uh, that is likely to be approved coming. So sometime maybe towards the end of this year, if we're very lucky, but more likely 2021, I would hope that some of those factors that have been weighing on the UK market will be relieved. And at that point, I think there's um, a reasonably good opportunity for, for a good bounce within, within the UK market. And finally, Catherine, the BMO Responsible UK Income Fund, that's one of our 
age 40 funds at the moment. How have you found it, obviously being an expert in this particular space, with the more recent focus on ESG in general, have you found a lot more interest in, in your own fund, for example? Two things I would say. Yes, absolutely. There's certainly been a tick up in interest. I would say that started maybe 18 months ago and has picked up since then. Also, there has been significant more interest from companies, which is really nice to see in adopting a, a proper ESG agenda. Five years ago, you might mention those sort of things to companies and, and they sort of shrug a bit and weren't quite sure what you were talking about. Now, every company is aware of, of the need to have an ESG and sustainability agenda, are willing to talk about it. They're all at various points down that path, of course, and some are further ahead than others. But it's absolutely on board agenda. And I think that is also notable in the way businesses have conducted themselves through this COVID crisis, completely different to the global financial crisis, way more in terms of management teams taking pay cuts, aligning themselves with the pain that their employees are having to take. We're really starting to see a shift in corporate behaviour as well. And I really hope that that continues. Fantastic. Fascinating insights. Um, Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. So I'm I'm going to say very warm thank you once again for your time. That's Catherine Stanley, the BMO Responsible UK Income Fund. And thank you for listening. Do join us next time for another interactive investor podcast.